Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. International break is over and attention focuses back to the league and the running. Ten games to go. Can Bristol City make the playoffs? Uh, in this week's episode, uh, we'll discuss the international break, how some of England's uh, youngsters from Bristol City got on. Also, uh, we'll be talking about the goalkeeper situation, Frank Fielding and Stefan Marinovic. What's going on there? Uh, Sheffield United this weekend, then there was on Tuesday. It's a tough week. And how how can we not talk about Preston, of course? And also, Callum Hudson-Odoi almost came to Bristol City and why perhaps Scott Hogan and Dean Henderson also didn't come. All of that coming up. So let's start with the international break. Gregor, you took in both under-21 games. Uh, Ashton Gate, uh, when the youngsters drew with Poland won all and then the defeat to Germany and Bournemouth. How did Lloyd Kelly and Jada Silver get on to start with? Well, as we discussed sort of last time around, yeah, Lloyd Kelly and Jada Silver were great where Ashton Gate point I'd like to maybe make about this is that I went down to Bournemouth on Tuesday and they only had 11,000 people, in fact less than 11,000 at that game and remember the week before at Ashton Gate, I mm-hmm. think it was what, 21,000? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which is almost double the crowd, which um, I think is a massive bonus for basically football fans out this way, you know. so Because the Vitality Stadium only, only holds about 11,000, that's the mm. thing, isn't it? But mm. do you think they should have been put in a, a bigger stadium, is what, is what you're saying? Because I guess Bournemouth holds Premier League football, so it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, yeah, I just think, yeah, big crowd over this way. And, OK, um, J.D. Silva only got 10 minutes, actually, in that game. Lloyd Kelly um, didn't play. But, um, yeah, massive feather in the cap for um, basically possibly more England games coming out this way. I think I think we might have said before, but AD Boothroyd hinted after the game on the on the when was it? Tuesday last week? Thursday last week? Yep. Uh Thursday last week that basically there were discussions happening and yeah, we could see more England games coming this way. Either the senior team possibly possibly massive, depending yeah, depending on who they're playing against because with respect it would have to be a big stadium if it was a big game. And yeah, uh, it could be the women's team. Yes, I, I watched the women play there a few years ago. Um, their opposition escapes me, but it was November uh, day, cold and freezing, but it was a very good turnout. I remember watching that game when England women played there. Uh, so Lloyd Kelly, by the sounds of it, was probably the more confident of the two um, compared to Jay Silva uh, in that game against Poland. Yeah, he was he was class. Really, really good game at the back. I thought he started a little tentatively and, and maybe backed off the attackers a little bit, giving them a bit of room to advance. But then he grew into the game and, yeah, that roar of pace, I don't know if you saw it, down the, down the left wing when he caught up uh, with a, with an attacking Polish player that actually A.D. Boothroyd commented on after the game as well, was very impressive, very Lloyd Kelly. And, yeah, it bodes really well. He, he was typically back to his his best the sort of form we saw at the beginning of the season really athletic dominant at the back as we always know oozing class and uh, so composed at the back reminded me of sort of the, the young Rio mm. Ferdinand kind of 
playing in that central defence and that's probably where we're going to see him in the longer term. Yeah, it's funny that he was full-back and he's, he's moved to there, but he's done well there. And maybe, hopefully, that form will translate uh, for Bristol City as well. Let's just hear now about Callum Hudson-Odoi. Obviously, he was with the under-21s, got called up to the senior squad, did very well for them. And Lee Johnson has been speaking about how Callum Hudson-Odoi almost came to Bristol City in the summer. Um, a little bit of truth, yeah. I spoke, um, obviously, his agents, and it was, it was a player that we was very keen to bring to the football club. And um, his brother is a, is a family friend, of mine as well and uh, yeah he's a, he's a top talent so I think he, he scored two or three in one of the games that I was watching in the pre-season I thought oh no <laughs> sorry it just uh, sort of entered the fray if you like and, and he made a fantastic first impression and it, it probably killed our, our chances of bringing him in but delighted for him really because um, you know what I mean it just goes to show how much young talent there is in England, and I really enjoyed the under twenty uh, under twenty one game. I thought it was a great atmosphere. I was really proud that obviously Lloyd Kelly played and and played so well in that game, and uh, obviously Jada Silver that we work with closely as well, although he's not ours, but um, he's still working with us at the moment. And I thought they were both excellent in in what is a very good age group moving forward, and it really. Um, shows England as a as a nation, footballing nation, as a as a set of coaches in a really good light. So Lee Johnson said, "There's a little bit of truth in it that Callum Hudson-Odoi almost came to Bristol City in the summer." What do you make of that, Gregor? And obviously, full of praise for the England setup as well. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, first off, a uh, hat tip to Will C on Twitter, who sort of um, hinted about this, and uh, and I followed it up by asking Lee about it. Obviously, this week. And yeah, very exciting talent. Um, thought it was phenomenal for England's senior team uh, against who was it they played? Uh, Montenegro. Montenegro, yeah, and obviously coming on uh, the week before against Czech Republic. And he's a heck of a talent, isn't he? Mm. Bayern Munich bidding thirty-five million pounds for him. He hasn't even started a Premier League game. No, and he could have been playing at Ashton Gate this season. I I think this is again a really good sign actually because okay, Bristol City have missed out there, but he's such a talent. But at the same time, this is another top player that City were going for. And OK, they've missed him, but they've shown the calibre of players they're targeting. And I would throw into the same bracket. Remember um, Zach Stefan, who City were heavily linked with last summer as yes. well. They couldn't get him, but they definitely were bidding for him. And he's got, now gone to Manchester City. So these are, these are the right calibre of player that we, we, we want to see coming into Ashton Gate. And hopefully they will... Be a bit more successful in the transfer market, but good signs there, I'd say. Mm, speaking of the transfer market, in Lee Johnson's pre-Sheffield United presser, he also talked about how they uh, missed out on Dean Henderson, who we know, we thought was coming, didn't we, uh, for a low move in the summer, and Scott Hogan too. Yeah, um, again, this is one that quite a few City fans have got in touch with me and said, why did we miss out on the likes of um, yeah, Hogan and, and Henderson? And... Yeah, I, I put it to Lee Johnson and credit to the manager because he doesn't have to answer these kind of questions. Mm. And a lot, of, a lot of managers elsewhere would bat this off. But Lee is always very honest. I think he's always very good at um, sort of clarifying what the case is. And he didn't speak sp- sp- 
specifically on the these two players, I have to say, but he gave some strong hints about basically what the situa- situation was there. And basically, yeah, with Dean Henderson, the backdrop was, remember, that we knew Lee Johnson was watching Shrewsbury at the end of last yeah. season. And then uh, Bristol City were heavily linked with Dean Henderson in the race for him. And, yeah, I asked if geography played a big thing in that one. I think that might have been the case there. That's my my opinion. But what was interesting was that, obviously, Sky Sports were reporting in January that uh, Scott Hogan was a target of Bristol City's. Mm. Again, Sheffield United won that race. And in the words of Lee Johnson on, on, on January, he said that Sheffield United were laying down some big money in their search for a striker. Now... Not necessarily, that doesn't mean necessarily that Hogan was swayed by more money. Yeah. It could have been, again, and I, we reported this at the time, didn't we? We mm-hmm. said that it might be just that he, that Hogan wanted to be further up north. He yeah. comes from Greater Manchester, yeah. I think, and um, maybe just chose on locality. But on the other hand, on the other hand, Sheffield United were very serious about bringing in a striker and had a lot of money to play with there. That's just an indication of where the two clubs are at, isn't it? Sort of, you know, Sheffield yeah. United can lay down that money in Bristol City. Can't really just at the moment with everything else going on. No, but what I would add into this is I believe Bristol City will be doing this yes. in the summer. I think they'll be in a position to do that because they have the money from um, Bobby Reekham and through Joe Bryan and Aidan Flint. Right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So those sales would go go through because of financial fair play. They skirt a little bit close with their last accounts, but they're going to be in a really good position. And we're going to come on to this. Obviously, there's there's basically business is booming down at Ashton Gate mm. in terms of. Uh, corporate, the corporate side, the um, advertising side, bringing in uh, local sponsors, and and likewise, we're going to kind of get onto this, but the new crest kind of feeds into that as as well, as well as the rising attendances at at Bristol City at Ashton Gate Stadium, the concerts and everything. Don't forget about all yes, of those. Yeah. Take that coming. Muse all, in the summer. Exactly, all this feeds back, and yeah, my information is that Bristol City are going to make a big signing in in this uh, in the next window. Well, talking of business, Gregor, um, no one can have failed to notice unless they've been hidden under a rock for the last week that Bristol City have a new badge, they have a new crest. And before we get into this any further, this is our new sports editor, James Piercy, who went to uh, the fan event, which was on... Which is on Tuesday night. And I would have been there myself, obviously, but I was down in Bournemouth uh, covering the yes. under-21s game. So I was, and to be honest, I was a bit gutted to miss out, but that's mm. the way it goes. And yeah, so James went along. He's a, he's not been at um, Bristol Live for too long. Our new sports editor, Mike boss and uh, make sure you're nice about him yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah this this was his view on it anyway i find it interesting in the sense that it speaks a lot about what the club want to be beyond just being a football team and how quite clearly the badge has been designed in mind as a, like a branding exercise which i know is a bit of an ugly word for fans and i completely understand why people don't like that being used around the football club because of all the emotion and history involved whereby so they have the crest which is used on the shirt but as well as that it's kind of removed to then be used um, on things like tracksuits and t-shirts and all this kind of thing borrowing from what Liverpool do with the liver birds what Arsenal have done with their cannon and it's quite clear that Bristol City are looking at Premier League clubs and basically trying how to be a Premier League club beyond just being a football team to get to that level. Um, So I find it interesting that that's the mindset. Um, And I know fans 
you know, are well within their rights to have, have a problem with the badge and how it doesn't have the suspension bridge um, and how maybe it doesn't quite look uh, traditional enough or reference the history enough. But I think it's interesting and I think fans should take some uh, encouragement from the fact that Bristol City are really thinking beyond just being a top 10 championship team. OK, that was James Piercy, the new Bristol Live sports editor, uh, talking about the new uh, badge and crest. Uh, here's a couple of fans' opinions on it now. Um, I think it's different, but uh, it's modern, and I think the old crest probably needed updating. Uh, but I can see how it probably won't go down with a few old-school fans. My initial thoughts were, oh, my God, what is that? Because it is so different and so new and so modern. Um... And I didn't like it initially. Um, after a day of kind of looking at it and looking at it again, it does look quite good on T-shirts and stuff. On, and I can see why they've done it. I can see why it's like a modern thing that, you know, they want to have it across all the brand and everything like that. And it is striking and people will recognise it. But... Um, there is a bit of me that thinks, actually, uh, I'm coming round to it. I can see myself liking it in about six months' time, but right now it's still too new and horrible. Wow, horrible. Uh, strong words there, Gregor, and it's something that's been debated all week. Um, what do you think? Do you like it? I, I quite like it myself, actually. I, I certainly feel it's an improvement on the existing one, and I think it did need an upgrade, and... Yeah, I, I can see why the, why the club are doing this. I think it's it's, it's fairly smart, quite uh, simple and sort of contemporary design, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I quite like it, but I'm not saying it's not perfect for me. Yeah, you know, I I don't like the back the back line of the Robin. Uh, right, yeah. I, I, I think it's too straight. But you're never going to get it perfect for everyone, are you? You know, and yeah, it's like um, some people on social media have been saying about the chili on a stick thing. Oh and, yeah, God, I can't once, see it. Once I've seen that, yeah, it's, it's tough to unsee. But yes, I do like it, and yes, I think it's quite smart. My issue is why is it not symmetrical? Why is the eighteen ninety four on one side? They could have just balanced it and put it both sides. But also, you know, you've seen fans sort of Photoshop their own ideas and response on Twitter and social media. I love the suspension bridge behind it. And I understand, you know, they want to use the Robin as a standalone emblem, a bit like Tottenham do. But I think you could have incorporated the incorporated the, ba- uh, the bridge into it and it would have made the badge more relatable to Bristol City, perhaps, do you think? Because the Robin, obviously, everyone knows it's Bristol City, but if you're not from the UK, you might not know that, and the suspension bridge is a landmark by the stadium. Yeah, true, true. I mean, let's not forget, obviously, the the club have said that they consulted with more than 3,000 fans. But haven't some fans disputed that? They they have. I mean, yeah, I've seen criticisms from some fans, but... From what I've seen online, and I have kept an eye on all the polls, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a majority against it. From what I've seen, I think most people have liked it or have been undecided. But then off the back of that, the more people I'm, I'm seeing going forward is that the undecided people are actually deciding, you know what, it, I'm getting used to it now. And yes, I can see I can see why some people don't mind it. So, But should yeah. they have consulted more fans? 3,000 is great. But when you're doing something like this, could they not offer like two, three options, could they not have had something online to vote on it? Would it not be better to get a more general consensus? Because it's, the, it's you know, the club belongs to the fans at the end of the day. 
Possibly, yeah. I mean, maybe they could have like invited season ticket holders to to vote on it or something. Get, they had some down, um, focus so. groups, didn't they? They did, yeah. Three. I've spoken to some of the fans that were involved in in those, yeah, and they got, yeah, I think it was more than three thousand uh, responses. So, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? How many people should everybody vote on ev- on everything? Like beyond the crest, I I don't think they should personally. Mm. I, I think it should be left in the hands of 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 some of the people to guide the club and specialists really. Okay. Uh, but I do sympathise obviously with with the fans because let's not forget. I don't think this point has been made enough that if you've got obviously the kit mm. or or any paraphernalia or yeah or merchandise, it's going to have the old badge on. It's dated now, and isn't it? It's dated, away? yeah, and and you, basically it is a way for the club. For me, cynically, to say, yeah, to make more money. And it, and, and it will do. It will bring in more money. However, all I would caveat that with is some fans will complain about this, and rightly so, but you then, as a fan, if you complain about that, you cannot then complain that the club aren't spending money in the transfer market because the two are the two are embroiled together. Do you know what I mean? You can't say, why is the club not bringing a £10 million striker uh, but at the same time, yeah, you can't change. Yeah, you can't. You can't bring in more revenue. So, yeah, that that's that. Therein lies the the crux. Mm. You know, you go decide what you want. Do you want the club to move forward, and become more commercially um, attractive? Yeah, I guess. and and therefore, yeah, bring in more monies, have bigger budgets to play with, bring in better players, and advance mm. up the leagues. Unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. It's the money, isn't it? So. Yes, it's modern football, isn't it? It, it is. It is in a nutshell. So yes, they've moved on here, and it's just another step forward that we've seen from Bristol Sport and the Lansdowne family. The next exciting step, will obviously, will be the training ground. And yeah, the, the club is. You can just see this, can't you? It's like, all across the club. Yeah, it's modernising, and it's becoming more and more like one of the, the Premier League sort of titans. Yeah, slowly but surely, and. By extension, they're going to have more success on the field. But as a fan, you, I guess you need to decide which, which, what do you want? And if you don't want to um, <laughs> go along with the commercialisation, then, and somebody made this point to me, there are plenty of really good non-league clubs out there getting involved, <laughs> wow. get involved in that side of the game. You know, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you have to leave your club or anything, but, but support grassroots football. Yeah. So I mean, the, that's my feelings. My, my thoughts as well are the badge is really, really similar to Brentford, why do many clubs now, Milne as well, go for this circular badge instead of like I guess it was almost a, a well, it's like a crest badge, wasn't it before? You know, with the the shape of it. So this is round, circular. Uh, whereas some like Aston Villa, for example, have the different shapes. So why go for the round circle? And it just seems the font just seems a bit generic as well. Yeah, I. I think it's having the adaptability because obviously on the training wear they've only got the bird, haven't they? I do think so, that looks really good. Yeah, it looks I, quite Tottenham esque. Is my only sort of criticism, but it does look really good. My understanding was that it was supposed to be a little bit like Liverpool's Liverbird, and and so that they would just be focusing on the on the bird, and yeah, it would work just on its own. But Tottenham do it as well. Yeah, and in terms of just going back to what you were saying about the suspension bridge, I was. Um, I don't know if you, you saw this or any of the fans out there saw this, but there was a really great collection of old Bristol City shirts that were being shown off in the Bristol City Supporters Club and Trust this week. Mm-hmm. I had I went up, because I missed on Tuesday, I was actually at Ashton Gate on Wednesday for the press conference, and I went up and had a look at the collection of shirts, which I have to say was really brilliant, a really great insight into the nostalgia. Yeah, I love things like that. Yeah, and probably the highlight there was they had... The the Bristol City shirt from the 1909 FA Cup final. Wow. 
Amazing. And can you believe it was blue? Blue? <laughs> yeah. Goodness uh, me. I, I was asking... It's the wrong side. Apparently that's because they were playing in their away kit on that day because they were playing As against... If their away kit used to be blue. 1909 FA Cup final, I know you'll know this. I mean, Gregor, that was about <laughs> 80 years before my time. <laughs> Manchester United. Uh, oh. So, yeah, apparently yes, Bristol City were playing in their away kit and that's why they're in the blue. But as you can imagine, these old kits, it was almost like a jumper. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and it was great to see the evolution of the badges and everything. Um, fantastic display. By the way, that 1909 shirt lives in, I believe, the Lansdowne household. No and way. it was... Uh, just for safekeeping, really. And, yeah, it was just on display this week for a brief time, along with plenty of other shirts. And, yeah, it's fantastic to see this side of the club. But also, this is a long story, sorry. That's right. <laughs> um, I got to see the new home shirt. Yeah, and what do you think? We've seen pictures. Well, I actually don't like the home shirt. This is just my particular um, fancies of a football shirt. I like a collar myself. I'm a collar kind of. I like a collar. Um, fan. And there isn't one on that shirt. But yes, I can see where the club are going with that. No complaints here. But there's no collar this year and it looks quite smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite like a retro kind of shirt. Anyway, on the back of the home shirt, there is a, like a kind of bridge icon on the back of the neck. If you haven't seen it. Oh, I haven't seen have this. A, have, a, have a look on the back okay. of the home shirt. It's, it's kind of like just two little... Well, it's the, either side of the bridge. So there is the suspension bridge in there somewhere on the shirt. So that could That's be something... Nice. That's so, nice that, yeah, that could be something to keep an eye out. It's quite retro, um, isn't it, the new shirt? It is, it is. Um, as I say, yeah, it doesn't appeal to me so much. But I do I, I do like the badge, so... I've liked this year's home shirt. I think it's been really nice. Purple and green. What's happening? Is it going? No idea on that. So obviously only the home shirt at the moment that they've announced, so we'll have to mm. wait a bit longer. For, okay. Uh, we, we love the purple and green, so fingers crossed it stays. Um, let's talk about this weekend then, Sheffield United. And uh, before we talk about that in detail, let's get Lee Johnson's thoughts on this game. It could go both ways. Um, I think that as the pressure, I wouldn't say pressure, because it's not pressure, but as the intensity cranks up in the last sort of 10 games of the season, everything sort of appears magnified, if you like. And um, I'm sure that'll be the case. It'll be a intense environment and uh, it's up to our players to be able to, to deal with that and thrive in that. And uh, that's the challenge and I'm sure we can do it. Like I say, we're going into it strong. You know, we, we've got no excuses. We've, we've got a good group. Who, we've got a lot of numbers. We've got a lot of fit players they know the way we play. Do you know what I mean? Nothing changes there. And um, we'll be looking to go to Sheffield United and, and put in a really good account of ourselves and get the result. <laughs> That's the key thing. We want to go and get the result. We're not going there to... Um, although we respect our opponents, we won't show too much respect in terms of, uh, obviously, the attitude to the game. Now, Gregor, I think a point would be a fantastic result in this one, but Lee Johnson says they want to go there. And get the result before we talk about it. Tell me who's going to be in goal. Because um, Steph Maravich is back fit. They've had their behind-the-closed-doors friendlies. Did he play in there, Maravich? Because I know we've got injured in one. And who's going to start, him or Max O'Leary? Well, they played Cardiff in a closed-doors... Sorry, behind-closed-doors friendly. That was a week ago. And, yeah, I believe Stefan Maravich got some time then as, along with Max O'Leary. But then, interestingly... Stefan played for the under-23s during the week and remember he was subbed off after 37 minutes. Well, 
Lee, I asked Lee Johnson about that. He said it was just a precaution and he felt his thigh being a bit tight. So, yeah, in Lee's words, he is fine for the weekend, so he might wow. be involved. I think probably... Surely Max O'Leary has to start. Yeah, surely, surely it's going to be Max O'Leary at the weekend. Obviously, Frank, Frank... Hold on, Frank Fielding is out oh, for out, the season. Yeah. Yeah. We've discussed that. He had his the wire out um, Poor from Blake. his... From his hands this week, actually. Oh. Just on Frank, I actually, actually asked Lee Johnson as well whether Frank has played his last game for the mm. club because he's out of contract yes, in the summer. Yeah. So there must be a bit of danger about that. And that is one to keep an eye on. Obviously, Lee Johnson played that down a little bit and, and refused to be drawn on it ahead of the season ending. But there's a big decision to be made there. But it doesn't sound like he's going to have the extra year in his contract activated. He's got a mm. one-year extension clause like a lot of the players do. Um, so I would say at the moment it sounds like Frank might be on his way, but we'll have to we'll have to see. Well, they must be recruiting a few new keepers then. For Maybe that. might be one to come in. Yes, and Nicky Mainpar, uh, the the word on him is he's out for five to six weeks, but he's had this blood spinning technique. Yeah. yeah. And depending on how he responds, he might make it for the la- back for the last couple the of games. Oh. Yeah, I think uh, maybe even the Millwall game okay. before that. But it depends on how he responds to treatment. And, yeah, it needs to get the blood to a specific point in his calf, apparently. That's the uh, oh, God. the exact on that. So, yeah, probably the smart money on Max okay. to start both. Um, so, Sheffield United away. Second, they've um, won four of the last five and they drew the other one. Oh, just getting a point that would be good just to sort of you know, start this 10-game run on a reasonable note. Yeah. Um, obviously, haven't conceded a goal in their last seven games. So, I believe they set I a just, club... Is it? I think they set a club record if they don't... If they keep a clean sheet. They've been amazing this season. Yeah, they have. Would you go for Chris Wilder as EFL manager um, of the year? Or, or no, Daniel I, Farke? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? I, I love the way Daniel Farke plays. I love the fact mm. they're like... What's got more than you? I love that style of play. But for Chris Wilder, what he's done, you know, would anyone have expected Sheffield United to be this strong again this season? I think what's impressive is they've kept it up longer. And yeah. they dropped off like Bristol City did last, last season. I, so I thought they would. And, um, you know, they recruited one in January and I think they're going to do it. I think... I still think Leeds will get that last automatic spot, though. You do? Mm. OK. But I'm, I might be eating my words when we record next week. We'll see yeah. how they play. Um, but I think Sheffield United will win on, on Saturday, sadly. Lee, Lee Johnson voted for Chris Wilder in oh, his um, picks for yeah, EFL Manager of the yeah. Season. And, uh, yeah, he's doing a great job there. Mm. I, I would go for Wilder, I think, as well. I think Farker has done a great job at Norwich. But you look at both clubs who they sold in the summer last year as well, mm-hmm. and they both sold big players, didn't they? David Brooks, obviously a big fee for him. Obviously, he wasn't so involved in the first team situation as um, as Madison was at James Norwich. Madison, yeah, yeah. He went for a big fee at Norwich, so they both kind of used big fees to come in to rebuild. Um, but given that Sheffield United, yeah, as you say, have kind of come from League One, and Norwich have in the past had parachute payments then I'd go with Wilder myself Mm, Okay, so what do you think on Saturday then? Saturday I think maybe a loss but this is the way I look at it is I think Bristol City Free hit on Saturday? Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely Mm. Because Tuesday against Borough is, is the bigger game isn't it? Yeah, I think if Bristol City win at Borough, they could go above them. Uh, Obviously, I think Borough playing Norwich this weekend that's going to be very tough for them obviously City have got a tough game as well but they're only three points behind Borough and the goal difference is is, is pretty close. Mm. So, yeah, a win at the Riverside probably <gasps> might might well be... An, well, with 
yeah, would definitely bring the Robins into the playoff picture again. And, and, and Borough have been poor of late as well. Exactly. I mean, they lost a fair few games at home, so... It's going to be it's going to be a massive game on, on Tuesday. So we'll record then after these two games, which really, especially Tuesday, can be pivotal to what happens this season. I guess, Gregor, is it make or break on Tuesday? Would you say that game? Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think they've got to get something from these two games. I just feel they're sort of like six pointers, and well, the, the Borough one definitely. If they mm. lost at Borough, that's that's it for me because I don't think they're going to catch Villa with the with the fixtures that Villa have got left. I've this momentum. It's such, I know yeah. it's such a cliche, but. With momentum that have got, you just feel that, you know, they're going to sneak one of those places. It's the other one that could be up for grabs now. Exactly. Middlesbrough have lost their last two home games. So there is basically an opportunity maybe there for Bristol City. A draw might might be good enough because City have got some winnable fixtures coming up after that, in my opinion. But if they lose to Middlesbrough, then I just can't see them catching any of the, the four that are up there. And I, I make it sort of eight teams going for two spots. I think anyone down to Forest, I don't think Forest will, could get one of those spots. Sheffield Wednesday have been going well under Steve Bruce. I mean, don't discount Derby. Yeah, exactly. Even at this stage, anything could anything could happen, couldn't it? And I mean, the yes, top four are now brilliant. gone, aren't they? You know. Yeah, it's yeah, just, they are. It's just underneath that what happens. It is exciting end of the season. It's good. Let's be honest. It's good that Bristol City are involved, and we're maybe being a little bit greedy here, aren't we? Because we did say. Oh, we, you and good. I both said top mid-table finish. Mm. Do you think they're going to do it? Well, top six? Mm. No. I've said, I've said all along I don't think they have. But remember last season I, I said yes, they would, and they didn't. So <laughs> reverse psychology. OK, well, I'll ask you that question again on, uh, well, after the Middlesbrough game, and uh, we'll see you next Saturday back at Ashton Gate. Yes, it is Wigan coming to visit. And, and the thing with that as well is to have a game like Wigan, you know, we know they drew with Ipswich, but to have a game uh, like Wigan the following Saturday could be what they need to give themselves a boost. Exactly. West Brom at home after that. So yeah. We'll see. We shall see. Gregor, as always, thank you so much for your time. Um, lots to ponder then this weekend. We'll be back next week uh, to evaluate what has happened. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Thank you for listening. Robins on the Wire.